New headline from the Babylon Bee. Hamas says all AK-47s found in Gaza hospital were strictly for medicinal purposes. You cannot make this stuff up. The crazy part is that, obviously, that's satirical as the Babylon Bee, but, again, it always reflects reality. Iran literally says this. Iran will literally put out press releases saying their nuclear program is strictly for peaceful purposes. It's strictly, they want clean energy. They want nuclear energy in Iran. So it's for civilian purposes, peaceful purposes. And the media, of course, reports it as fact and reports it as news. Coming up, President Biden is giving Iran, speaking of Iran, another $10 billion. And this time, Biden is getting nothing in return. And, of course, the massive rally in Washington, D.C. We will get into that. Very, very exciting. Very, very incredible day. The House, led by Speaker Mike Johnson, has passed a stopgap spending bill. The House is, the government will not shut down. The House has passed a bill to keep the government open. This bill passed, listen to this, 336 to 95. So 336 congressmen in the House voted in favor of this bill, 95 voted against. Of those 95, 93 were Republicans. So two Democrats opposed this bill, 93 Republicans opposed this bill. So about 120 Republicans voted in favor, 200 Democrats. Think about that. 200 Democrats voted for this stopgap spending measure, which, by the way, has zero spending cuts. And uh, 200 Democrats, 120 Republicans, 93 Republicans voted against. Would a Democrat House, and we'll discuss this, What was this a good thing or not, but will a would, imagine if the Democrats controlled the House, would they ever do that? Would Nancy Pelosi or Hakeem Jeffries or any Democrat Congress, would they ever pass a bill where 200 Republicans voted in favor of the bill, but only 120 Democrats, where far more Republicans voted in favor than Democrats? Never, ever, ever, when the Democrats vote a bill, it is a, uh, control the House and vote for spending bills or any bills. It's always a Democrat. It's always along party lines. They always do what the Democrats want and not what the Republicans want. But somehow when it's Republicans, we always have to go over, cave in and do what the Democrats want, have more Democrats voting for, the, for it than the Republicans and the Republicans are the ones controlling the House. And the other thing is now, again, does that mean that I'm giving up on Mike Johnson? Not yet, as I'll explain. But here's the other thing. This is exactly the same thing Kevin McCarthy did, and it's what got him ousted. It's literally what got Kevin McCarthy vacated and pushed out of the speakership is this exact same deal two months ago that Mike Johnson has done now. So and uh, my, Matt Gates in response ousted Kevin McCarthy and the same conservatives who vacated McCarthy because of this exact thing where he sided with the Democrats and passed a stopgap spending bill without any spending cuts. The same conservatives who voted to ouster McCarthy for this are okay with Mike Johnson doing it. What's the difference? We will explain coming up. All right. So as I said, massive, massive rally in Washington, D.C., being totally underreported by the media. Now, the media, they are uh, you know, talking about this, focusing on this, and the media, they're, they're, they have been very positive about it, even, in fact, pointing out the contrast, at least on Fox News, and I think even maybe CNN or MSNBC pointing out the contrast of literally hundreds of thousands of Yidden gathering together and so peaceful, so positive, courteous. They, they say that the police got thanked more than in their entire lifetimes. The policemen sitting there, standing guard at this at this rally, they just heard thank you, thank you, thank you from the entire crowd. Enough thank yous, they say, more than they've gotten maybe the whole rest of their lives combined. And compare that to the pro-Hamas rallies and the anti-Semite rallies and the pro-Palestinian rallies where there's just incredible amount of violence and, you know, just 
brawling and, 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 and just all sorts of horrible things going on. So the contrast is incredible. What a positive event. Incredible Kiddush Hashem, incredible display of Achdus, literally hidden from all backgrounds, gathering together, converging in a peaceful, positive way, passionate, you know, showing the, the incredible, incredible support, solidarity, Achdus that they that 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 we were able to display. It really, really just is it's a once in a lifetime experience now, but the media is underreporting the numbers, of course. So the media they kept saying tens of thousands, and the estimates are Baruch Hashem, three hundred thousand Jews or two hundred and ninety thousand Jews is the number that's going around. And whether, you know, whatever exactly that's based on, I've heard a report that it's based on how many people actually went through security. And then I heard from somebody who was actually at the rally that a lot of people didn't even go through security, meaning didn't go through metal detectors, but that's how they keep count. But the media underreported it literally by hundreds of thousands of people. And interesting, even John, Jonathan Greenblatt, ADL chief Jonathan Greenblatt, I heard him actually fact check the media. I'm not a big fan of his, but, uh, you know, on the Israel issue and on the issue, you know, with the, the, the recent events that have taken place, we are mostly on the same page. And of course, there's been a spike in anti-Semitism, but literally, and it was an MSNBC interview with Jonathan Greenblatt. And as they led into the interview, they said, oh, there were tens of thousands of people at this rally, and John the Greenbot said, I have to correct you on your lead-in. You said tens of thousands. There were hundreds of thousands of people. But like I said, the contrast, I mean, peaceful, positive, loving. The anti-Semitic protests are full of violence, brawling, beatings, and even murders. And, of course, there was even a murder at one of these uh, events in Los Angeles, Rahman al and at one point on, and look, we, I know that there was an issue. I'm not getting into whether or not it was the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. We know that there was a cold curry that came out, I guess, on Tuesday morning or very late on Monday night where they announced the speakers and it was said that maybe B'nai Torah or, or Kol HaKharid B'dvar Hashem or some, some strong language that people should not attend the rally. Obviously, there were many, many from Yiddin. There was a very large contingent of from Yiddin. And it seems that, you know, not all Rabbanim agreed about whether it was the right thing, it wasn't the right thing. So that's a separate discussion. You know, beyond the scope of this show and above my pay grade. But either way, many, many thousands of from Yiddin clearly did go. And like I said, however you slice it, it was an incredible, incredible Kiddush Hashem. And you also saw a support that crosses all sides of the aisle. You see this incredible vast spectrum. You know, call it right wing Yiddin, left wing Yiddin, you know, J Street Jews, people who are generally not considered very pro Israel and supportive of Israel. And then even on the stage, you had these members of Congress, right? So you had this like gathering together of people from very different backgrounds in terms of Congress. You had Senator Mike uh, Chuck Schumer, who I'm very upset at, by the way. You had Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, Joni Ernst, who's a Republican. And Hakeem Jeffries, who's obviously very leftist and even has not done enough. I've been critical of Hakeem Jeffries. He has not done enough to condemn his own Hamas caucus, to the, the Hamas wing of the party, Ocasio-Cortez uh, 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 and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar. But you had the four of them literally on stage, literally like holding hands. You had these four congressmen. You're never going to see this, where they're all up there, all defending, staunchly fighting for the same cause and supporting the same cause. And just gathering together this incredible, incredible unity that they showed and vehemently opposing a ceasefire. And I give credit Mike Johnson and Hakeem Jeffries. Both, like I said, I'm not a fan of Hakeem Jeffries at all. I am a fan of Mike Johnson, but both of them very, very strongly opposed to a ceasefire. I believe Mike Johnson for sure. He said it and he said that a ceasefire is a terrible, terrible idea and Israel has the right to defend itself. But Chuck Schumer 
is disgraceful because Chuck Schumer, he's up there talking about Israel, claiming to care about Israel. He always says the right thing when it comes to Israel. Yet he has shut down the bill that was passed by Mike Johnson to fund Israel. So that bill went to, to, to into the Senate and Chuck Schumer, for his own political purposes, playing politics, he wants Ukraine funding. And he actually says that that bill is dead on arrival. So how do you be up there on the stage talking about how much you care about Israel? And then there's a bill for 13 with 13 billion dollars already passed by the House. And now you control the Senate, the Democrats in the Senate, and you refuse to even take that bill up for a vote. Meanwhile, the biggest disgrace of the day was that President Biden and Kamala Harris were nowhere in sight. They were nowhere to be seen. They were still in Washington, D.C. Later in the day, they traveled to San Francisco, the now clean San Francisco, where the homeless people have magically disappeared and uh, the syringes and all the garbage and everything else have magically vanished in San Francisco. Gavin Newsom, by the way, even admitted this. Governor Gavin Newsom, who went to China a few weeks ago, he said, yeah, well, we had to clean up because uh, President Xi is coming So, and, and, and you're upset. He said, yeah, that's true. He was basically asked, is it true that they don't clean up the city for their own residents who are suffering miserably, living living in squalor, but they clean up for the Chinese president? He said, well, yeah, that's actually the truth. So that's disgraceful. But Biden and Kamala Harris, nowhere to be found near the rally, and they didn't even send a representative. So they're literally in your backyard. It's not like we're talking about the, it was a rally in Baltimore or New York or California. It was literally in the back. It was a few blocks from the White House. They literally were these minyanim taking place and shurim taking place outside of the White House, which is just a historic event by itself in its own right. And Biden's right there and Kamala's right there and they don't even have the decency to show up or to send some sort of white, John Kirby sent some sort of White House representative. This was done by design. This was done, this was very calculated. It's a total disgrace that that, that, that the White House did not send, you have all these members of Congress, you know, I saw a picture, Ted Cruz was there, many, many members of Congress, many politicians were in the crowd. They didn't even get there on the stage, but they came anyway to show support and Biden and Kamala refused to join, refused to participate or, or even send anybody, send some token representative representative just to show that the White House stands by this cause and what's the reason. Somebody, Some people say, well, they don't value it enough. It's not important enough to them. That's not the reason at all. They know exactly how crucial and important this is. It's because they don't want to offend Muslim voters. We keep telling you the same story over and over again. It's why every time there's an anti-Semitic hate crime, all you hear the White House talking about is Islamophobia, okay? They're, they're terrified about alienating Muslims who they desperately need in the 2024 election. That's why they did not show up. That's why they did not mention this and just had no connection whatsoever. And it really is egregious. Uh, by the way, Dearborn Heights in Michigan, they are flying Palestinian flags. The government of Dearborn Heights, Michigan, flying Palestinian flags in solidarity with Gaza. Now Israel has taken control of the Al-Shifa hospital. And they're literally, think about this, the, the IDF is bringing in incubators. The, the media keeps harping on this about the fact that the hospital doesn't have power and the hospital is under fire. And Israel has had to, they've had to uh, take over that hospital. And they've had to attack the hospital because that hospital beneath it is the headquarters. Hamas's headquarters is in the basement of a hospital, one of the largest hospitals in Gaza, which is totally disgraceful. And yet the Israelis are bringing in, whoever heard of a country, of a military, bringing in incubators to take care of the babies who are collateral damage, who are used as human shields by the enemy, by the terrorists, and Israel's bringing incubators. we got to save these babies. It's unbelievable. That part doesn't get reported. And now John Kirby released intel confirming what Israel's been saying. I'm going to play you a clip in a moment of Bill Clinton in 2016, really predicting a lot of what's going on because he was aware of Hamas's vicious tactics even 
back then, but Kirby confirmed what Israel's been saying, how Al-Shifa and these other hospitals are literally used, hospitals and schools used as the headquarter facilities by Hamas, and yet the left, the media, they keep condemning Israel, they keep questioning how Israel has a right to attack. So I'll play you a clip of Bill Clinton in a moment from back in 2016, also saying the same thing, how Hamas uses these human shields and they do it in order to get media sympathy and world sympathy. And it's working. It's so depressing that it's working. But I got to say this to there are some wishy-washy people in the media. They sort of support Israel and, and they bash and slam the the, the the craziness on campus and these anti-Semites on campus and these anti-Semites who are, uh, you know, be, who are basically supporting a ceasefire and they don't agree with them. But let me just say this. Stop calling them lunatics. In other words, the people, the media who's, who, who disagrees with all these anti-Semites on campus and the people calling for a ceasefire and they say, oh, they're crazy, they're clueless, they're ignorant. Stop minimizing them. What they're doing is they're diminishing the evil and the hatred, and they're giving them a pass because they're calling these anti-Semites on campus. They're saying they're so misguided, they're so clueless, they're so in, in, ignorant. And what you're insinuating is, well, if only they knew the truth, if only they understood, they obviously are not reading up and they don't know the facts on the ground because they would never support a ceasefire. They do know the truth. They're anti-Semites. They're full of hate. They're seething with hatred. So when you label them lunatics or you say they're clueless, I've heard all these words being used, clueless, ignorant, crazy, and you're actually minimizing the hate. They are hate. They are hateful. They are full of hate. They have every fiber in them, every fabric in their body hates and despises Jews, and they're like Nazi supporters. So don't act as though, well, but if they only knew, if they only realized, oh, they're so misguided. All right, so on that note, let me play you this clip here. This is Bill Clinton speaking in New Jersey back in 2016 about Hamas. Depends on care what happens to the Palestinians as opposed to the Hamas government and the people with guided missiles. They were yes, they were. Yes, they were. No, wait a minute. Yes, they were. And Hamas is really smart. When they decide to rocket Israel, they insinuate themselves in the hospitals, in the schools, in the highly populous areas, and they are smart. So they try. So they wait, wait, wait. They, so they try to put the Israelis in a position of either not defending themselves or killing innocents. They're good at it. They're smart. They've been doing this a long time. Look, I don't agree. I killed myself to give the Palestinians a state. I had a deal they turned down that would have given them all of Gaza, wait, wait, all of Gaza between 96 and 97 percent of the West Bank, compensating land in Israel. Subscribe to one. Okay, so unbelievable clip there. Years ago, this is 2016. Number one, Clinton saying exactly what they do, which is hospitals and the schools, that they've been doing it for decades. Number two, he's Clinton is saying how he killed himself. He gave them literally everything they wanted on a silver platter. And why did they say no? Because that's not what they want. They want to be able to call Israel occupiers. The last thing the Palestinian leadership would ever want is to be given what they claim they want, to be given the land, to have a two-state solution. They don't want a two-state solution. They want it to either wipe Israel off the map or be the victims, be the martyrs, the last thing they would ever want. Israel would gladly take uh, to the right 
two-state solution, a Trump two-state solution. But the Arabs, the Palestinians are the ones. And Clinton found that out the hard way because he naively bought into their narrative. And he said, here, listen, I got it. I pressured the Israelis. I twisted their arms. I got you everything you wanted. And Yasser Arafat walked away from the table and Clinton was furious. So there he is and he's recounting that. So obviously back then there was some kind of military offensive going on in 2016 and you had somebody in the crowd say, well, there are human beings in Gaza too. The, Pal- the Palestinians are people. And Clinton's saying, yeah, but don't you get it? Hamas embeds. Hamas, they, they insinuate themselves into the civilian uh, neighborhoods and facilities and hospitals and schools because they want you exactly, that's exactly what they want you to say is, oh, but how can the Israelis do this? How can they be so cruel? Another interesting thing about this clip, I didn't hear anybody point this out, is Clinton says repeatedly, Hamas is smart. He says, he's said three or four times, listen to that clip, he said, Hamas, they're smart, they're smart, this is why they do it. They want people to, to you know, to blame the Israelis. You know what's interesting? Imagine if Trump said that. Imagine if Trump said Hamas is smart. Oh, wait a second. Trump did say that. Trump, Trump said exactly that a few weeks ago. Remember, people were furious and outraged and that people were having meltdowns. How could Trump do this? How can he talk about, he's talking about the enemy. He's talking about these terrorists and he's complimenting them. Trump loves, loves terrorists. You know, remember Putin was smart, right? And Trump has praised other evil world leaders. Oh, look how smart they were. Well, Bill Clinton said Hamas is smart three or four times in that clip. I never heard anybody condemn him or criticize him or say, wow, how can Clinton go and praise them? The answer is because he's calling out a fact. They're smart. They're very smart. In fact, you sh- we need to say that because we need to point out that actually only makes them even more evil, the fact that they're doing this in a calculated strategic way and that this is, this, is, this is a smart strategy. Evil and smart often go hand in hand. But it's amazing the double standard. Now, Clinton can say it, no problem, everybody cheers, but then Trump says the exact same thing. And well, how, how could Trump be so insensitive? How could he be so evil? All right, so uh, just getting back to Election Day for a moment, a caller asked me, uh, oh, let's start with Avi Schnall, because many, many people ask me my thoughts about Avi Schnall. My, my first answer is, of course, it's a good thing that Avi Schnall won, that he won the assembly. I know he's a Democrat. I know they unseated a Republican. I even, my, I, look, I don't get into local politics enough. You know, not, not enough. In other words, that's not what my focus is, especially not lately local politics. It's very important. Sometimes you could argue it's even more important when it comes to tuition and local taxes and all of that stuff and, you know, local uh, funding for different for, for, for different institutions. So it's a, sometimes local politics can have more impact on our lives. It's not as fun as the national stuff. But so I don't know the nitty gritty of the details. And probably, you know, there was a Republican, I guess his name is Ned Thompson. And I guess he was a good friend of the community is my understanding. And he was he lost. He basically lost to Avi Chanel. Democrat, Republican doesn't matter nearly as much on a local level as it does. I know some people felt like, well, how, how am I supposed to vote for a Democrat? Here we are all this time talking down about the Democrats. Well, that's just the reality is when a from politician runs for a local office, they're running for and state assembly. I call that local. They're running on a Democrat ticket very often for various reasons. You know, a lot of Jews from Jews that are registered as Democrats. So I have no problem with that as long as they represent our values. And now, you know, generally Republican and Democrat is just a label. There are conservative Democrats and liberal Republicans. It's rare. So that, that to me is not the, you know, the be all end all. The fact that you're voting for Republican, but you know, the Rabbanim, who am I to even weigh in on this? Because the Rabbanim, Rabbanim unanimously supported him. And he's somebody that clearly has been an incredible, incredible leader, uh, for the firm community and somebody who has gotten so much accomplished and like how can you not i mean again i'm not getting into the nitty-gritty details but to me i don't really see you know exactly what the controversy controversy was uh, unless there's something that i'm not aware of i want a disclaimer here this is not my expertise so i'm just telling you my observations based on what i saw what i read people that i spoke to and if there's something that i'm missing please reach out and let me know those are my thoughts on avi Schnall. but another caller said to me 
How, how can you cheat? I said, it's so easy to commit fraud. It's so easy to cheat and to vote multiple times in these, in these voting, these, 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 uh, you know, polling places on election day because there is no verification. They don't verify your signature. They don't check your driver's license. You don't, no, no ID needed. So it's so simple to, to just vote again and again. And, and a caller left me the following message. They said, I can't vote again. If I go and I give my name, they check it off. They know that I voted. I'm, I'm, I'm now counted as having voted. So I can only vote once. And the response is, that's not my, that wasn't my point. So I'm sorry if I didn't clarify my point. My point is, all you need to vote, you need to give a name and an address. They need to match up. You give your name, they hear, what's your address? And you have to match up the address. If you, if you say the right address, sign something. They don't care what you sign or how you sign. They don't look at the signature. You sign their little, there used to be a paper in a notebook, and now it's usually a tablet, and they let you vote. All you need is a list. If I have a list of 50 names and 50, it's very easy. Names and addresses are public information. Okay, a lot of people know even, they know on their block the names and addresses, but that, that is very, very public. You can get thousands and thousands of names and addresses. So my point was, you go to one polling place, you'll say they'll recognize you. So you go to place A, you give your name and address. Now you go to a second place, right? And now you know of somebody who lives on one of those blocks, and you know their name, and you know they haven't voted yet, or you, the odds are they're not going to vote. So... The, or if they voted, you know, you say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake, whatever. But but uh, but you give the name, you give the address, sign. And like I said, it's a generic signature. My signature didn't even look like my real signature. And then they let you go and vote. And you do this again again. The point is you give a different name, different address. If somebody wants to, they can go to 30 or 40 different places in a day, give a different name, different address every single time, as long as they just know the names and addresses. Then you have a 1,000 ap- operatives, each one voting 40 times. That's, that's tens of thousands of votes. For, that, that are fraudulent, that were all done by the same people, by, you know, by the same operatives, by the same groups. So that was my point. My point is not that you're going to vote again in your own name. You're going to vote again in somebody else's name. But because no ID is required, no signature verification, you really need to just know nothing besides the name and address. Any, and, and most people, probably 75 to 80% of voters are not showing up in a year like this year or in any given year, 40%, 50% turnout rate max. So you can just vote again and again and again by claiming to be someone else. That's how the whole fraud, that's one of the ways that they, that they rig it. That's one of the ways the fraud takes place. Another caller said that I'm a hypocrite because I was pro-vaccine. So I was, I was bashing, uh, those conservatives who were pro-vaccine and then flipped. And, uh, and again, I'm not getting into you know, older people, healthy people, that this is not the time for that. But a caller said that I, I was at one point pro-vaccine. I was not pro-vaccine. I'm talking about the COVID vaccine right now. I'm not talking about other vaccines. And when it comes to the COVID vaccine, I've always been very consistent. Ask your doctor, ask your doctor. I wasn't even anti-vaccine, even though I certainly have a lot of questions about it, especially for healthy people. And nowadays, I, you know, I think very few people are taking a COVID vaccine at all nowadays. Uh, except in you know rare exceptions, very high risk people is my is my understanding. But the point is that I don't recall ever saying that anybody should or should not get the vaccine because I was very clear. In fact, some people said to me, "Listen, take a stand on on medical issues, on health issues. It's okay. We want to hear your thoughts." But when it came to the COVID vaccine, I was very very careful. So unless you can find the clip, find the show, find somewhere, I'll go and check it out. And maybe I'm remembering wrong. But I don't recall ever saying anything in favor of the COVID vaccine or telling people, hey, getting the COVID vaccine is a good idea. There are people who did. There are conservatives who said, get the COVID vaccine, you dope. And they even told young and healthy people to get the COVID vaccine. And then they reneged and retracted months later and said, well, the government was withholding information. So I was not aware. It's not my fault. Blame the government. Are you kidding me? Really? What a lame excuse. Just admit that you were wrong. Just apologize. But don't tell me, oh, you you know, you trusted the government. Why are you trusting the government? For, for, for 40 years, you've been uh, ranting to us how, you know, lecturing how we should never ever trust the government rightfully so but then you know, then the call up so said that i i was i once commented about the fact that 
Biden gave the COVID vaccine to Guantanamo detainees before it was open to the regular public. Remember, it wasn't open to the entire general public, just to high-risk seniors and high-risk people. And then they gave it to the Guantanamo detainees. And that was absurd. Why on earth would you go and give it to Guantanamo detainees who should all be shot? They should all be uh, given the death sentence. And they're sitting there in Guantanamo, never even gotten a trial, which is a, just a total, total disgrace for another day. But uh, they gave it to the Gitmo detainees before they gave it to American citizens who wanted it. That My point wasn't that, therefore, I'm pro-vet. My point was that, you know, as they say, Lashita Sum, my point was that, according to them, who they think the COVID vaccine is a good thing, an important thing, how dare you give it to Guantanamo detainees before you give it to innocent, you know, good, upstanding citizens in the American public. So, And that was disgraceful, but that should not be misconstrued as me actually being pro-vaccine. That was just me talking from their perspective. All right, so let's get into this House spending package that's going to keep the government funded through the end of the year and into January. Here's why you know this is a bad bill, okay? Number one, as I said earlier, because it passed 336 to 95, but 93 Republicans opposed the bill. Two Democrats opposed the bill, 93 Republicans. So that's how I know it's a bad bill. By the way, this bill does not include Israel funding, which is interesting, and still going to get passed uh, by the Democrats in the Senate. But here's the other problem is Chuck Schumer is gloating. Whenever Chuck Schumer is excited about a bill that passed the Republican House, I'm not happy, okay? Schumer said he was pleased with with Speaker Mike Johnson for not pursuing spending cuts or changes to Biden policy in the spending package. He called the bill a reasonable measure. By the way, this bill is continuing the same spending as last year. That's bill from, that spending from last year, that was passed by the Democrat House before it, it switched over to Republican. It, it was passed in 2022, December 2022, and the Democrats still controlled Congress. So the House Freedom Caucus, they are opposed to this thing, obviously, because they voted against it, but they're still giving a chance to Mike Johnson. And they're, the question is why? Why are the conservatives, why are they okay with Mike Johnson doing this, even though they were not okay with Kevin McCarthy doing the same things? So let me read you her first year a quote from the House Freedom Caucus. Quote, the Freedom Caucus opposes the proposed clean continuing resolution as it contains no spending reductions. No border security, not a single meaningful win for the American people. Republicans must stop negotiating against ourselves over fear of what the Senate may do with the promise of rollover today. We'll fight tomorrow while we remain committed to working with Speaker Johnson. We need bold change. End quote. That's the Freedom Caucus. So, and by the way, uh, Mike Johnson met with the Freedom Caucus Monday night before they passed this bill, which is unusual. It's unusual for the Speaker of the House to actually meet with the Freedom Caucus. Now, the question is, why are the conservatives, especially people like Matt Gates, why are they okay with Mike Johnson doing this? So there are two op- two options here. There are cynics who say, well, because they didn't like Kevin McCarthy personally. It wasn't really about politics and policy. It was about Kevin McCarthy. It was it was a personal issue that they had. My, Matt Gates personally disliked Kevin McCarthy, and he used the spending package as an excuse. There's another option here. So that's going to be the cynical approach is, uh, you know what, the conservatives are also sellouts. They're also hypocrites. They also, you know, they, they, they're they not going to vote in favor of this, but they let it pass, wink, wink, and they're not going to ouster the speaker. Well, why they ousted Kevin McCarthy? Well, no, that was just they didn't like Kevin McCarthy. It was just an excuse. That's one option. I hope that's not the case, but that's what some are saying. Others are saying, and the, the conservatives themselves are saying, no, 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 no. They're saying you cannot compare because Mike Johnson, he just came in. He just got elected speaker. He had no time. This, there's no way this would have been a disaster. This would have been just, he, he, he never ever could have garnered support for spending cuts. So here's a quote from Tim Burchett, uh, Republican of Tennessee, who's one of the eight Republicans who voted to ouster McCarthy. Quote, 
He he's only had two weeks to pass. He's had two weeks to pass that his predecessor had since January, and then he jammed us up against the September 30th deadline. So he's basically saying, listen, you can't compare. Kevin McCarthy, he knew about this thing. He was the speaker elected in January. He knew about this issue since January that the government was going to shut down. It's not something that, like, surprises you. This just pops up out of the book. Hey, wait a second, guys. The government's not, not funded. We, we've got another week to go. You, you know about the timeline literally for eight months. So Johnson should have figured out a way as opposed to Mike Johnson. I'm sorry, McCarthy should have figured out as opposed to Mike Johnson, who literally just got after the whole fiasco, literally just got elected as speaker two weeks ago. Never, ever could have figured out a way to do this. So it just would have blown up in his face and the government would have shut down and he would have gotten blamed. That's what they're saying. They're saying, give him another chance. Now, listen, I don't know. I certainly hope that that's what it is. I understand that. I understand. I'm upset that Mike Johnson isn't willing to shut down the government. I think it's ridiculous. I, all this fear mongering about shutting down the government, the government shutdown is the most overrated thing. It happened. It happened under Trump. What, what year was it? 2019? January. I believe it was January 2019. I believe. But uh, it was January of either 20, 20, 2018. It must have been 2019 because the Democrats were in control. And we know it wasn't 2020. And the government shut down for like 35 days. Trump got blasted. Trump got, I mean, they decimated him. The media and the Democrats and everybody and even some Republicans. How could he do this? And Trump did it. He did the right thing. He did it because he was demanding border security. He was demanding funding for a border wall. The border was out of control. Eventually, he figured it out without Congress because they still refused to budge. And he ended up getting the military defense funding and everything else and remained in Mexico. And he did a phenomenal job with the border, which Biden has not only reversed, Biden has more than reversed it. Biden has just destroyed, destroyed this country, allowing in millions of illegals when Trump had it figured out. And there was no reason for Biden to even mess or touch the whole system to begin with other than politics. So other than, you know, wanting to basically ruin the country. So, um, and get Democrat votes, right? So, so, uh, so that, and there was no, when the government was shut down, other than the media traumatizing everybody, there was no damage. Nobody felt it. It didn't affect anything at all, (laughs) except national parks. So it's not a big deal. But Johnson, anyway, Johnson says he's never going to do this again. He says this is the one time, this is the one time short term stopgap, what they call a CR, continuing resolution. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Biden handing Iran another $10 billion. He has agreed to unfreeze. This is $10 billion that was frozen under sanctions. And this adds to the tens of billions of dollars in relief that the White House has already given Iran. So generous. They're so generous with Iran. Why? Why are we giving Iran money? By the way, what they're doing is this, this, this money was being paid by Iraq to Iran. Iraq, they purchased electricity, electric power from Iran. And so they owed them $10 billion for in return for electricity that was purchased, that was provided, and that was frozen as a result of sanctions. And Biden's issuing a waiver for those sanctions, allowing Iran to keep selling electricity to Iraq and other surrounding countries in the region. Why? Why are you giving Iran? Give me some explanation why we're giving Iran billions and billions of dollars. It is pure evil. Why should Biden be handing Iran the legacy, the the nuclear deal, which I is that even still on the table? I don't know. Why are you handing Iran all this money? It makes no it baff, it's baffling. It, it somebody explain to me what we gain, what Biden gains, how Democrats are not furious at this. It's it's insane. It's insanity. And just I'm, I'm literally tell me what I understand when he was trying to negotiate the nuclear deal. Maybe that's still on the table. Nobody said anything about it. But why? A senior official from the State Department emphasized 
that this is not U.S. money. This is Iraq money. They're using their own money to pay for electricity acquired from Iran. And he says the the, the, the funds do not worry because the funds are designated solely for humanitarian purposes. The, the funds are in a special account. In other words, Iran cannot use this money for terror terrorism. Number one, I don't even believe that. I don't believe that they can even control it. Number two, who cares? Because we know how Iran works. They just shuffle the money. All right, they get this $10 billion. Now the $10 billion that was going to be used for whatever domestic purposes, we'll put that into the terrorists. We'll put that into the hands of Hezbollah, Hamas, and the Houthis, and we'll take this $10 billion and replace it. So when you hand in billions of dollars, as they say, money is fungible. So the, 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 the money is going to go to support terror one way or the other. And they, they, this is an extension of a sanctions waiver for 120 days. So Iraq can continue purchasing electricity to, from Iran for billions more. And it's just incredible. You know, they're, they're, they're putting fancy clothing on a pig, as they say. I mean, literally as a reward for letting Iran breach the nuclear deal, develop a nuclear weapon. And, and Iran, they were so, Trump ravaged Iran. They were in champ, Trump Iran was in shambles under Trump. Their economy was in shambles. And Biden has restored them to being a superpower. Meanwhile, they keep attacking U.S. troops. Do you know at this point there have been 55 attacks against U.S. military bases in, in the last month? There have been 55 attacks in the last or since October 7th. There have been 55 attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria, all by Iran and Iranian proxies. 55 attacks. Unbelievable. 60 U.S. troops have been wounded, have been injured. Um as a result of these attacks since it's since October 17th, by the way. So it's since not even the 7th. It's literally in the last month. I mean, it's 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 outrageous. It's beyond the pale. U.S. forces have responded with three iterations of airstrikes targeting facilities. Most recently, U.S. troops targeting a training facility and a safe house near the cities of Abu Kamal and Mayadin. Of course, Nobody was hurt, as you know, as far as we know. No surprise. Chicago is so bad that illegals in Chicago are literally going back to Venezuela. You cannot make this stuff up. Eric, at literally, there, there, there are illegals that are in, they're in Chicago. They're like, this is horrible. Like these conditions, we heard that it was going to be great, and like there's no room in shelters. They're sleeping on the floors of police precincts, police stations, and they were promised, you know, hot meals. They were promised free money, stipends, jobs. And it turns out Chicago has been so overridden by illegals that even the illegals now that are coming in, they're miserable. So they say, I'd rather go back to Venezuela. And it's not because things were pleasant in Venezuela, believe me. You can't make it on. Literally, this is an actual story from the Chicago Tribune. All right, Mayor Eric Adams under investigation by the FBI. They raided the office of one of his fundraisers. They confiscated a bunch of stuff. That was a few weeks ago. And now the FBI actually seized multiple devices from Eric Adams himself. I believe they, they actually stopped his car and they, uh, by the way, did you see this story? Where do I have this? Wow. There's a story about uh, the secret service that I forgot to mention where well, I wrote this down somewhere. Oh boy. I, there are probably other notes that I'm forgetting. I have to save it for the next show, but the secret, the secret service shots were fired. Somebody actually tried to steal the car uh, of, of a, a, a secret service vehicle. There, there was a, the secret service detail of, Naomi Biden, of President Biden's granddaughter, Hunter Biden's daughter. So the, the, the Secret Service, their own vehicles, they were like guarding her inside of her home and the vehicles outside, and I guess it was empty, and somebody actually tried to, 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 to steal the vehicle. The Secret Service, and shots were fired, and nobody knows why shots were fired. They're saying nobody was in danger. Of course, we'll never get to the bottom of this. It'll be like the cocaine, but like literally Secret Service agents are shooting at somebody trying to steal their own car, a Secret Service car used for the Secret Service detail of President Biden's own granddaughter. 
And that's because of how out of control, how insane crime is in Washington, D.C. And it's like, hello. I mean, we, we have we have co- members of Congress getting carjacked. The Senate is telling people Senate security ex- uh, uh, leaders are saying, do not be a good Samaritan. Do not help somebody change a tire on the side of the road because you might get shot. And now they're trying to steal the Secret Service's car that's you being used to guard Biden's granddaughter, and, and and it's all because of defund the police. It's all because of liberals. It's insane. But anyway, Eric Adams, I believe that they actually stopped his car and grabbed the FBI. They had a warrant, obviously, and grabbed two of his smart of his phones, two two of his devices, two of his phones, and confiscated them as evidence. And and and, and Adams is not even denying any wrongdoing here, which is pretty shocking. Not um, they 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 seized two devices. And they literally, it's incredible because they don't do that. When have you ever heard of a mayor, of, of a mayor in the United States of America, like literally having his cell phones targeted, his cell phones uh, seized by the FBI? The one time was like Anthony Weiner, but that was like a really insane situation. And Hillary Clinton, but Hillary Clinton, those are serious charges. She's running for president. She was secretary of state and she had email servers in her basement. And even then she was able to delete all that stuff. She was given major, major warning. But here they just like stopped his car and like yanked out his phones from what I understand now, why is this happening? It's happening because Eric, I believe, because Eric Adams, he's criticizing Biden's border, border policy. He's upset that Biden is allowing so many illegals in and overrunning his city. So this is payback now. They're actually, they're doing to Adams, they're doing giving him the Trump treatment. They're treating him the way they treat Trump, which is, oh, if you want to speak out against Biden's policies, if you want to condemn and uh, slam Biden, then guess what? You're going to be targeted by the FBI. Where they weaponize the, the 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 FBI and the justice system as usual. Now, Adams was asked about the allegations. Very simple response, Mr. Mayor, is no, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, did did you? What, what the allegations are here? It seems the investigation is that uh, Turkey, the the country of Turkey, wanted to fast track permits for their embassy in New York City. And Eric Adams, this is right before he became mayor. Uh, Apparently he was given, allegedly, allegedly he was given campaign donations by Turkey. He was given campaign donations by Turkey, allegedly, and he fast-tracked. He got the the, the fire department, the fire commissioner, to fast-track permits to allow the Turkish embassy to open, allegedly. And that seems like a big crime to me. So and and this fundraiser was involved. So they're saying it's business as usual. But like a terror regime at like Turkey donates money to a U.S. politician in return for political favors. I don't know. That sounds like a Hunter Biden crime to me. And Adams could just say, listen, I'm innocent. I did nothing wrong. Trump says that all the time. You know what Adams said? He said, I don't want to comment. It's an ongoing investigation. I don't want to comment. What, what does that tell you? Why would you not want to comment if you're innocent and if you're just being persecuted by the FBI? OK, this happens to Trump all the time. You know what he says? He says, guess what? I did nothing wrong. He says, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Why would Adams not want to say I'm innocent? I'm not saying that. I'm not casting aspersions on Eric Adams, but it does seem very bizarre, very suspicious. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.